Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store. Let's get to it. All right. Hello, Loose Lug Nation. Today we have episode 45 for you. Mark, when I think of the 45, boy, there's some legends on this one. I think of uh, JVO, Jeff Van Outenhoven, out at WIR. Been there uh, for a long time, won a few championships. Uh, Great guy. We have to catch up with him uh, this year because we sat in the pits and talked to him for quite a while, and the stories that go around are crazy. Uh, And then we have Rich Bickle. There's another legend. Um, and then at the NASCAR level, I think about Kyle and Adam Petty first and foremost. Uh, unfortunately, Adam uh, passed away in that incident at New Hampshire. And then uh, the following Daytona race was when he was going to be in cup full time or at least part time. And uh, that was an emotional moment for Kyle when he actually raced that race. And weird enough, uh, he had a moment with Dale Earnhardt um, prior to the race and if you get a chance, go watch that ESPN special because Kyle's uh, special, he's in it. And um, he talks about how Dale would avoid him after Adam died. And it was just because Dale didn't know what to say. And finally, at the Rolex 24, they were both in the race and Kyle pretty much cornered him. And uh, then at the 500 before Dale passed away, obviously pre-race, this was uh, him and Kyle shared a moment where Dale said, Hey man, I know this is tough for you. I love you and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I bring that up because we're thinking about Dale. We'll be releasing this on Thursday, April 29th. And, uh, Dale Earnhardt would have been 70 years old. And we're, you're going to hear us talk with Ryan Farrell, a, a local driver around here uh, about Dale and one of my, one of my racing heroes for sure. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that later, but, um, man, some cool stuff. Uh, who do you got? Who else do you got for 45s, Mark? Anyone? Yeah, I, I got the, uh, I go with the truck series, you know, our, our buddy, Ty Majeski, you know, he went to Nice and he was in the 45 and then got replaced by Trevor Bain and Brett Moffat's in there. And Travis Pastrana has been in that vehicle too. Um, I keep up with Brad Dahmer down. He runs around the road course down by road America. He, he plays around down there and, Mike Weissman down at Jefferson's got a real cool paint job down there of the old Miller Miller High Life. So pretty cool looking number 45 I've seen around there. That's about all I have for 45s today, man. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty popular number, though. I mean, maybe popular is the wrong word, but the people who have trove, driven 45, uh, boy, they've been pretty special. Yes, sir. It's been a pretty cool number. Richie Bickle, man, it's, he's been always our favorite 45. And, yeah, JVO, man, we like Jeff a lot, too. Uh, definitely like talking to him, man. A lot of good stories come out of him. Those two are some of the biggest legends around this area. And, uh, man, you know, talking about – I mean, first let's start with Rich. Rich, I mean, we thoroughly enjoy talking to him. We run into him everywhere. He, uh, he'll talk to us forever. We had him on a few weeks ago. But JVO, when we sat in the pits that one night talking about stories and all that, my gosh, it, it was pretty specific to WR, which 
you know, we're, we're passionate about, we grew up there. I announced out there, you're still a big fan out there. Um, I'm looking forward to picking his brain more on that stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. He's been around, I've <laughs> been around the curve a few times. So a lot of memories, a lot of stories come out of there. Absolutely. Well, we have three races to recap and we got a couple of uh, guests. I just previously mentioned Ryan Farrell is going to come on. We're going to talk about Dale senior celebrate him turning 70. And then uh, also we'll be joined by Derek Krause for um, him to recap his truck race at Richmond. So let's get into it here. We apologize for not putting one out for a few weeks. If you watch our page on Facebook, I didn't put it on Twitter. Facebook's where we got the majority of our fans right now. And uh, we're doing some local stuff. So we're putting out some videos pre-race and post-race. So go check that out. That's the reason we haven't done a NASCAR podcast in a while. But here we go. Uh, we got Martinsville Xfinity race here from a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a couple of spins in stage one. Michael Annette uh, wheel hopped into turn one, I believe that was. Uh, incredible wheel hop. Yeah, you'll have that wheel hop at Martinsville, and uh, it's kind of cool when it's uh, in on camera on board, and you can hear that tire bouncing on the racetrack. Uh, kind of hard to control. Yeah, and I forget who it was. Um, maybe it was Allgaier to the outside there, and he could hear the wheel hop and actually moved more to the right to avoid it. Uh, incredible that it bounces and makes that much noise. Uh, there was also a three-wide incident where Herbst goes around almost collects Snyder, um, they did make contact, but every everyone was was okay. Uh, Noah Gregson goes on to win stage one. Austin Sindrick, Haley Gibbs, Brown, Snyder, Clements, Yaley, Earnhardt, and Bailey Curry in the top ten. So some drivers not used to being up there, or not us not being used to seeing them up there or up in the top ten. Yeah, that's for sure. There was, there was all kinds of three wide racing all weekend there at Martinsville all weekend. Absolutely. It was uh, good stuff. One of our favorite tracks to watch for sure. Uh, how about this? Josh Berry took the lead from Brandon Jones early in stage two. He was impressive. Uh, Jones took the lead just before the rain came in at halfway uh, of halfway at stage two. The race got delayed two days. It goes back to green on Sunday instead of Friday night where they started it. Uh, Hemrick grabs the lead early. Uh, and then Vargas has has an issue where his front end was smashed uh, pretty good. Hemrick goes on to win stage two. Gregson, Jeb Burton, Annette, Clements, Tommy Joe Martins, Stefan Parsons, Yaley, George Gorham Jr., and Josh Berry in the top ten. Again, some guys that you don't see up in the top ten uh, very often up in there. Yeah, well, there's, you know, Martinsville's kind of different. There's some short track guys that are on there, and that's what uh, makes them flourish uh, on the on the short track there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, stage three was, uh, was a good race to the finish there. How about this? Josh Berry goes on and wins. He's been a guy that we've been very impressed with. He ran into some rough luck as of late throughout the last few races, but Throughout the stages has been very good. Uh, so Josh wins. Very emotional victory lane, uh, as you can imagine, a guy who's been fighting and cr uh, um, clawing for his racing life here, races for junior motorsports in the not only the Xfinity Series here part-time, but also for the late model stock series. Uh, Gregson finishes second. Hemrick, Gibbs, Jones, Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Haley, Elgire, and Annette were the top ten there. Um, 
You know, another guy that's been impressive that we've mentioned is Ty Gibbs. He finishes fourth again. Uh, I have a feeling that that kid's going to be really, really good. Yeah, that that was uh, he had to lead there for a little while until uh, until Barry took it away. I, the biggest thing about that finish was wondering if uh, Hemrick was going to turn Gregson. There was a hundred thousand dollars on the line for the dash for cash, and uh, was just uh, kind of watching that to see if that was going to get aggressive. But uh, cooler heads prevailed and it ended up being a good race. Yeah, I you know to be honest with you, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, we've said it multiple times on here that Gregson's a great guy. We've talked to him a few times Hemrick same way I and I mentioned in the last podcast or, or the two were whatever it happened at very unusual for Daniel Hemrick to get that mad so I'm not surprised anything didn't happen but I'm sure it had fans on their toes a little bit looking to see if something did happen um, the cup race then at Martinsville Logano led early but Hamlin was the best before the rain came uh, and he leaves it back when the race resumes uh, again it got um, delayed there blaney ended up having the dominant car and wins stage one blaney hamlin truex chase elliott larson byron bowman kozlowski logano and christopher bell were your top 10 uh blaney goes on and wins stage two as well blaney hamlin truex elliott bowman kozlowski byron reddick kyle bush and kurt bush inside the top 10 you know, the one thing that was noticeable there is that uh, Denny Hamlin had a short, short run car and and the 12 car of, uh, um, of Blaney had a long run car. And that was the difference all day. The 11 would take off like a jackrabbit. And then as the laps wound down, all of a sudden the 12 would come to life as 11 would fade. And that was the story of the whole, pretty much the whole race between those two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely noticeable there. Uh, there was a red flag when Chris Busher and Kyle Busch made contact. A parking lot ensues. Priest, Suarez, Bowman, Jones, Kozlowski, Haley, uh, Kurt Busch, McDowell, others involved. Um, yikes. And, and, you know, everyone thought Busher kind of retaliated. Gordon said he may have on, on the telecast there. Uh, Busher was on SiriusXM Channel 90 in Jack's garage with Claire Blee Lane um, and said he isn't sure what happened. It wasn't retaliation or anything. So uh, just unfortunate for everyone involved there. Uh, Logano, Truex, and Larson have a big moment. Uh, Logano actually let Truex back by, and I think that was very smart due to their history at uh, Martinsville. Uh, (laughs) uh, That was a smart move. You know, and then that pileup, you know, and Suarez's car was on fire instead of uh, trying to put it out. He threw he threw his water bottle at the 24 car. <laughs> you know, maybe he should have worried about his car being on fire. And then, uh, you know, I think Blaney might have won that race if he went to took that wrench out of the pits. We'll be talking about that just in a little bit here. Um, uh, took, took the equipment out of the pit box, and that cost him the victory there. I, I thought Blaney had that race for probably uh, in the bag. Yeah, probably, but the thing that always matters is late pit stops and uh, restarts. So you never know what can happen there, especially the restarts there are so close. Um, Unbelievable. You know, Chase Briscoe spun and brought up the caution with 49 to go. Uh, This is where Blaney got the penalty uh, for carrying the air gun out of the pit stop. You know, that's kind of scary. You know, that hose is going to snap back at one point maybe and all that stuff. So, um, man, Uh, Truex won the race off of pit road and I, uh, pit road excuse me and 
I said that could be the winning move. Uh, he had to get by Denny Hamlin late, but he did, and he goes on to win. He is the first repeat winner of the season. Uh, it was Truex, Chase Elliott, Hamlin, Byron, Larson, Logano, Bell, Reddick, Harvick, and Kyle Busch inside the top ten. Yep, yep. Uh, once when that last pit stop came out, that uh, Truex's team one of got him out, got track position. Um, looked like the eleven, the eleven was going to be there, you know, Hamlin. But once again, uh, the car faded at the very end, and Truex got the better of him. Yep, and you just mentioned before that Hamlin had the short run car, but unfortunately didn't have enough underneath him to uh, hang on to win there. You know, how about Truex being the first repeat winner of the season? Um, we'll talk more about the upcoming winners here the weeks after that, but a uh, lot of winners early here uh, on in the season. Yeah, there might be some big names that are going to be left out when the playoffs start after uh, around Labor Day. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, yep. Uh, let's go on to Richmond, and we had the Truck Series and Cup uh, series there. We'll start with the Truck Series. Grand Enfinger wins uh, Stage 1. Nemechek was closing, closing though. Uh, good run by him in the last part of the stage. Uh, in Stage 2, Deegan goes up the hill, and that uh, unfortunately wrecks Tate Fogelman early. Nemechek goes on to win Stage 2. It was Nemechek. Enfinger, Rhodes, Austin Hill, Kyle Busch, Zane Smith, Lassard, Gilliland, Derek Krause, and Chandler Smith inside the top ten for stage two. Yeah, the first two stages was pretty uh, eventful free and also uh, a lot of green flag racing, and that can happen uh, normally at, at Richmond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately for Derek Krause, he does spin with a flat tire there, maybe some contact on the uh, restart. Uh, then Purdy spins after being four wide and hits the wall. So a couple incidents there. Um, Chandler Smith makes it three wide on a restart with 40-something to go. Crafton runs up the hill into Sauter. Hard racing going on. Uh, nine or so drivers stayed out prior to that, so that was for the lead. Nemechek goes on to pass Smith with 17 to go and holds off Kyle Busch, his boss, to win the race. It was Nemechek, Kyle Busch, Ingram. Chandler Smith, Sauter, Gilliland, Rhodes, Enfinger, Mayer, and Austin Hill. How about that top ten? Yeah, there's some names that are in there that's uh, kind of so-so, kind of rare. Good to see Johnny get a top five. Um, during that last stage, Denny Joe Cobb and uh, Norm Benning uh, uh, couldn't play nice for last place, and uh, they both were told to go to the principal's office after this race. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, interesting there. In fact, it brought out a caution at one point for really no reason. Um, so they got talked to, and we'll we'll see what happens uh, from that. Derek Krause went on to finish 15th, which was a great rebound by him after that uh, flat tire. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear probably from him that there was contact from another driver that actually cut his tire down because uh, I, I, I seen something during the week after that. So uh, when we talk to him, he'll uh, probably bring that up and, and let us know exactly what happened. Yeah, and, and also he had a crew chief change um, recently as well, so we'll talk to him more, more about that. And as usual, we have Derek Krause joining us now. Derek, how are you doing? Good, how about you too? Hi, Derek, how are you? Where are you at today? What, what you doing? 
got done with the workout at the Toyota Center, and uh, now I'm headed back to the shop. Awesome. Well, uh, let's recap your Richmond race here, a uh, track that you said you had high hopes for, even though uh, last year's race didn't go well. And uh, it seemed to go pretty good for you guys. Tell us about your day early. Um, yeah, I mean, we had to start 29th just because of where we finished last race. So we started really deep in the field, and then we just slowly came through the field. I mean, we had a really fast, uh, incredible bank throw to Tundra for the first first couple laps, and then as the run went on, it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. So uh, it was a really fast track. I wish from what we did. I mean, I feel like the team deserved better finish than what we did, but uh, some of the things you can't control, and uh, it's just part of racing. You were able to gain some stage points uh, in both stages as well. You've talked about that in the past. That was pretty big for you and your team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, being especially that first stage from where we started, and, and uh, being able to get up to ninth or eighth or whatever it was, we were able to get up there and get, get one or two stage points. So that's good. And uh, just being able to get the stage points, like you said, it's it's huge for the team, and then it's also huge for the points. How's it working out with your new crew chief, with Mark Hillman? Do you see a difference between him and Matt Noyes? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a little bit different here now. I mean, I feel like, uh, it's something that just happened. I mean, it's, it's part of racing. I mean, it's a tough decision to make, but, uh, it's, it's part of the business. I mean, it's part of the everyday business. I mean, people get let go every single day of the week and, uh, it's, it's, I don't, I mean, I, I don't got much to say about it. Other than I'm, as a driver, I'm just going to try to keep moving forward and uh, do the best that I can. Yeah, that's always tough when you got shifts in a team. But like you said, that can happen every week between race teams here. What has been different with uh, the new crew chief, um, Mr. Hillman, on the box? Um, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot few things that are quite differently i mean they both have their own opinion on how to how to set trucks up and uh how to make the right adjustments and i mean both of them are 100 percent right in their own ways so uh things that he does differently than than matt would and uh it's it's definitely i mean we, we've only been together for one race so uh we got to go into the next couple races and try to try to prove that we can run up front and uh try to get as many points as we can have you seen a spark within your team uh, with making that change? Sometimes, you know, maybe similar to like a goalie change in, in hockey where you replace the goalie and the team gets sparked a little bit. Has that happened with your team with that switch? Um, I mean, there's definitely a new new attitude in the shop. I mean, it's definitely a different, different atmosphere. Not saying that the atmosphere with Matt was bad at all. But uh, it's definitely, it's, it's just like a new face. I mean, it's a new face coming into a business. And uh, everyone's got their whole set up high. And, of course, it's going to be it's gonna be good right away. But we'll, we'll be able to tell more down the road. But I feel that Mark's in a good place. And uh, we work together really well. And Mark, Mark's really good at working with me. And uh, I feel like uh, it should, it'll be really good here down the road. 
Getting back to the 250 at Richmond, you were running eighth there on that last stage and you had your left rear uh, cut down. Were you confident that you could have done a, a good job and finished uh, finished well in that race? I'm confident that we would have finished better than where we did. I felt like we had a, a top five truck for sure. I mean, in the long run, it was, it was insane how good that thing was. And it's just so hard. Because once you get in the top 10 in those truck races, I mean, you, I mean, as you guys know, you got people like Johnny Sauter in the top 10, Kraft, and, you know, the Thor Sport trucks, Kyle was in it. And once the, once the green flag drops, everyone in the first 10 laps is the exact same speed, so you can't really go nowhere until the tires start wearing out. And I felt like that's where our truck was better, was on, on a longer run and uh, being able to make passes and, set people up to, to pass them and uh, that's one of the cool things about Richmond is it, it wears out the tires and you definitely got to save save your tires just like you do back at home in the Super A model at Richmond and uh, you got to be there at the end of those. What were some of the uh, challenges for you and your team at, at Richmond there? I mean the race went pretty pretty well for you guys and until the unfortunate thing happened but you rebounded nicely. Yeah, I mean, probably the biggest thing was was that last that last stage there. We, we like you said, we had that left rear get cut down, and then we had to use because the tires are all flat spotted, so we had to use our last set of tires, and there was still what eighty to go yet in the in the race. So uh, that was definitely unfortunate, but it was looking like it was going to go good. I mean, I thought it was going to go great in the end, and we would have been fine if it would have went green to the end, but uh, there was those yellows there at the end and that's when everyone kind of split up and took their tires and we were just kind of a, kind of a sit duck out there. So uh, we did the best that we could with what we had. And uh, we definitely gained some confidence from that race and uh, made, made some right adjustments throughout the race to make the truck better. And uh, we definitely feel like we can go to Kansas and have a good run. Well, top 15 is still a great job by you and your team, especially after that incident late there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kansas. You just mentioned there going there uh, this upcoming week. Uh, you finished seventh there last year. So that has to give you and your team confidence going into Kansas. Uh, yeah, we uh, we actually raced there three times last year. There was one weekend where it was a doubleheader. And then the second race, we were able to finish ninth or whatever that was but the first one we were able to finish fourth and uh kansas is a cool cool little race or i guess it's not a little it's a big mile and a half but uh it's it's interesting i mean you can run anywhere from the bottom all the way up to the top so that's really cool as a driver to be able to race on racetracks like that uh be able to have the options throughout that whole race to, to go wherever you want and uh I'm looking forward to it. I felt like we had some good good speed on the simulator this week and last week, and uh, hopefully we can have a good result. Yeah, looking at those three races, you had uh, all three of them. You had top tens, and you scored a lot of uh, stage points. Your confidence should be pretty high this week, wouldn't you think? Uh, yeah, it should be. I mean, we were able to start a lot closer to the front than what we have all year really i mean we're starting 14th so that's that's good that's a bonus we only got to pass four trucks to get into the stage point so uh hopefully we can 
go out and do that and be able to get in the top 10, top five for stage points, and then just the long race, so we're going to have to just stay up there and maintain and uh, get the best finish that we can. Well, man, thank you so much for your time, as always. We'll let you go here. We know you're busy, so uh, thanks so much for your time. Good luck at Kansas, and we'll catch up with you in, in one or two weeks with the local stuff starting up here. All righty. Thank you, guys. Hey, and thank you guys for having me. Good luck, Derek. Give them hell out of Kansas, man. <laughs> thank you. Well, it was great to hear from Derek Krause once again, Mark. Uh, we haven't been able to catch up with him in a few weeks after his Richmond race. Uh, Richmond went pretty pretty well for those guys, as we mentioned in the interview. Um, unfortunate that they weren't able to cap off a uh, great day. It was still a good day with him finishing 15th. Yeah, it's been a month since the dirt race at, at Bristol. So, yeah, it's been a while since we uh, touched base with him. So, um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see where he would have finished if he wanted to cut that tire down. But, uh, boy, looking at his stats at Kansas, man, uh, he'll be the one to watch this weekend. Yeah, I forgot that they ran there three times last year. I tried to review it quickly. Um, saw that he finished seventh one time, finished fourth one other, and ninth. So, as you and I both met, mentioned to him, is his and his team's confidence should be high going into this weekend. I can't wait to see how he does. Yeah, and it's a night race down there, too, so that uh, gives him a little bit more grip. And, yeah, he starts 14th uh, this week, so uh, that uh, that's a lot better than starting 29th, you know, so that'll help a lot. Yeah, and unfortunately, they make that change from uh, fellow Wisconsinite Matt Noy, says the crew chief. They go with Mark Hillman. Talked about that in the interview as well. Um, it's just unfortunate that you have to make a change like that. It seemed like things were okay there, but maybe Mark will um, be a little better for the team as of right now. So we, we talked a little bit about that, and it'll be interesting to see how this team reacts to that change going forward. Yep, yep, it'll be worth watching. So, yeah, I'll be looking forward to them uh, running down there on Saturday night uh, for the 200 down there in Kansas. You bet. Um, let's get into the Cup Series at Richmond. Denny dominates stage one. It was Denny, Truex, Logano, Byron, Blaney, Bell, Bowman, Dylan, Kozlowski, and Harvick inside the top ten. Uh, Hamlin dominates again. Truex and he have been the best to that point, had been the best to that point. Uh, Kozlowski stayed out and ended up going a lap down yeah, and got passed by others, so he and his team were kind of in a bind there. Uh, Hamlin, Truex, Logano, Bowman, Harvick, Benedetto, Kyle Busch, Byron, Bell, and El Marola inside the top ten for stage two. Yeah, once again, a lot of green flag racing that was going on there. I mean, we didn't get our first incident until when uh, uh, Newman got Newman got taken out. Um, <laughs> some of that three wide racing, you know, some of that sometimes that doesn't work, you know. And then uh, you know, Bowman had a penalty at the start of stage three, also right there, and uh, that was interesting in itself too. Yeah. Um... Kevin Harvick spins with a flat tire late in the race to set up a shootout there. Alex Bowman started third on the restart, but he got by Logano and Hamlin to win. Unbelievable. He rebounded from that penalty that you just mentioned. It was Bowman, Hamlin, Logano, Bell, Truex, Elmarola, Byron, Kyle Busch, Benedetto, and Dylan, your top 10. Uh, it was a very emotional victory. His crewman, Rowdy Harrell, and his wife passed away in the offseason. We talked about this prior. Um, and if you remember, Justin Algar also dedicated his win earlier in the year to Rowdy and his wife. So uh, 
very emotional. Um, great for that 48 team, though. Um, awesome job by those guys and girls. Yeah, I was listening to the LTN hour when I was going down to Slinger here this last Sunday, and they mentioned that they put extra air in that uh, 48 team on the right side tires. They put extra, like two extra pounds of air in there, and that works on a short track, uh, short run like that. And uh, everybody was surprised to see how he took off. That would have been any more laps than that, that 12 lap shootout at the end. Uh, that probably wouldn't have worked, but uh, wow, what a call by them. And, uh, you know, to rebound from a penalty like that, uh, hey, kudos to, to, the, to that team, man. They made it work. Yeah, and, you know, you heard uh, Bowman talk about that in the uh, post-race interview there in Victory Lane. He said, I don't know what changed with this car if Greg pumped up the air pressure quite a bit. And, yep, he certainly did. <laughs> Two pounds, that's, uh, that's significant. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's when you have more air in a tire like that, that tire is going to get hot really fast with more friction. But, you know, in 12 laps, uh, boy, it made it work. And, uh I'm sure other people will take notes on that and uh, they'll put that in their memory bank. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get into Talladega. Then the uh, last week that we have to recap here, we had the Xfinity series and cup series. Uh, Justin Haley wins stage one. It was Haley, Jeb Burton, Gregson, Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Almondinger, Hemrick Jones, and uh, Brandon Brown and Justin Elgeyer inside the top 10. Noah Gregson goes on to win stage two. It was Gregson, Allgaier, Sindrick, Jones, Dylan, Snyder, Hemrick, Moffitt, Annette, and Brandon Brown um, inside the top ten there. Uh, Josh Berry spun with a flat tire. He was the only car involved. He was inside the top ten for a lot of the day. He uh, did a great job by saving that car, man. He did a really good wheel job to save that vehicle. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. That, uh, <laughs> that's not easy to do. And, you know, luckily that pack was smaller because if that happens in a pack, it's uh, game over. Yeah, and then you got the big one right there. So, yeah, but, yeah, wheel man there, man. He saved that vehicle. Keep on running. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, Graf Jr. had an issue and gets into a net, and it was on Ty Dillon, Brandon Jones, and others involved in that one. Uh, and then the rain came with 24 to go just before they were going to go back to green. Who was leading at the time? Jeb Burton. He wins the rain-shortened race. Uh, emotional victory for him. He's another guy, just like Josh Berry, that has clawed his way to stay inside the sport, finally breaks through with an opportunity, the first one in a long, long time for him. Incredible job by him and his team. Great to see him win after all the work he's put in. Very popular win as well. It was uh, Jeb, then Sindrick, Elmendinger, Herbst, Sieg, Gregson, Brandon Brown, Haley, Snyder, and Harrison Burton, your top ten. Yeah, well, all of a sudden they were after that wreck that was there, you know, and once again, Ty Dillon couldn't catch a break if he wanted to. It wasn't his fault at all. But when they were showing all of a sudden this black cloud came from and weather was on the back burner all day because these storms were just popping up out of nowhere. And as soon as that wreck was over, then, uh, then it was on. Um, once again, Noah Gregson won another $100,000 for the Dash for Cash. So, but uh, he wanted to race for it. You could see he was kind of 
uh, kind of a little bit upset about it, grabbed the money, but he wanted to race for the win. But uh, Jeb Burton, man, hey, good for him. Emotional, you bet. And uh, still deserves it, man. Good job. It was a fun race, even though it didn't uh, finish uh, the, whole, uh, the whole event. Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool to see guys like Jeb Burton, Josh Berry, who have fought forever to try to get a decent opportunity in the top three series. And two guys who certainly deserve it, uh, get their opportunity and make the most of it. You know, and I would not be surprised if either one of those guys win another race or two. Uh, you know, Josh has a few races left, but Jeb has the rest of the season. I would not be surprised if they win another race or two before the season's over. Yeah, why not? I could see that for sure. Well, let's transition over to the Cup Series then. Uh, Denny stepped out of line on the last lap. He and Stenhouse made contact. Denny gets into Logano due to that contact. Logano flips, and, you know, it almost reminded me of Brendan Gaughan a few years ago, except Gaughan came back on all four. Logano did not. Uh, everyone besides Logano will be okay. Logano was okay, but his day was done. Um, boy, how about that in-car from Bubba Wallace in, in the – Actually, Logano bounced off his pretty much his roof. Um, wow, scary incident, but uh, incredible footage there. Unbelievable in-car camera there, just seeing that car flipping like that, and uh, looked like you went right underneath him. You know that could have been that could have been really nasty if you would have hit him and sent him flying. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that happens at Talladega. Um, uh, we still can't seem to keep these cars on the ground. So, um, yeah, quite a, quite the incident. It's funny that Logano was the only one that came out of that. Uh, you know, even Keselowski uh, was involved with that, had a little minor damage with that, but it carried on. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is amazing that Logano was the only one involved. I mean, he was, what, third at the time? So unbelievable job by all the drivers in the field. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about that safety aspect of it for a little bit because, well, first off, let's start with your point regarding safety. Keeping the cars on the ground, do you think, and, and God, there are so many more smart people than myself talking about this and, and probably you, I, um, but it, it was hit, with Joey's and Brennan's crash there, it's almost like it was just before they got to the banking and it's like when that car went backwards and into the banking, the it just doesn't stick to the ground. If that happens on the backstretch, I think the car stays on the ground. But it's that transition into the banking where you get in that transition it has the air going different than it would be anywhere else, and it just picks up the car. That's my thought anyway, just looking at it because I noticed that when it went, it was like it was during that transition period. So I'm wondering if that plays a factor. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't know. You know, they've done such a great job back in the day when you turned, you know, all of us, when you turned sideways, you were gone. You know, it just took off like a, like an airplane. They've done such a great job. But once when a car gets tweaked one way or another and how the air affects it and goes through, um, I don't know, at those speeds over 190, you know, 185, 190 miles an hour, um, air does strange things, you know, and, uh, I don't know if you'll ever be able to correct it in certain situations, you know, as, as long as you keep them from uh, going into the fence, I guess, and keep the fans safe. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't think going slow would be um, 
would be ideal. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I think it's still going to be part of the Daytona Talladega kind of thing. Yeah, probably. The only reason I think about that is because the way the corners are, it's almost like it's a dip, like getting into that corner like that. So that's why I was thinking maybe that plays a factor. Um, absolutely, NASCAR is going to take a look at it because the other safety aspect of it was the way that car flipped and landed and skid in the corner, the latch for the safety net was actually pinched where he could not get out of the uh, car himself. They actually had to cut the bottom of the window net. And this came from Brett Wentz, who's been involved in NASCAR for a while. He had a picture of it. And also the roof hatch was the emergency roof hatch, which they are mandatory to run at those plate races as well, uh, was smashed down where that probably wouldn't have worked either. So um, the reason we say it was extra scary was because if that car lights on fire at all, how does Joey survive that? Yeah, and also another concern was it kind of looked like um, the same thing. It was like a Ryan Newman kind of thing, you know, if that vehicle takes a shot to the door there or whatever. Um, I don't know, NASCAR is going to have to look at that to make sure that these guys can get out of these vehicles uh, after they're wrecked. Yeah, and, you know, they're so tight in there. Um, you just don't want to see that. I know Joey's one of the most aggressive out there, and he's – He's been one to cause something that that one was really no one's fault. It was just two guys trying to go at the same time for the same real estate and got into it. But uh, so I know some fans were saying, you know, Joey's the most aggressive. He can't complain about that or, or the racing, but he, I mean, if you go through that, I mean, and he made some comments saying this racing is stupid. Like we need to change something here because it's just, it's not safe. We're already already not the safest but this is just now out of hand. Um, I don't know if NASCAR will ever change it. You know, Dale Jr.'s even made some comments with the big spoilers. He doesn't like the big spoilers. But how do you create the passing and all that? I don't know. The racing was okay back in the day, too. But I don't know what NASCAR is going to do, uh, if anything. I know they'll look at the safety part of it for sure. Well, that's what you get for pack racing. So it is what it is, man. Um, you know, <laughs> I know there's a lot of – uh, Logano fan or non Logano fans that are out there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those come around, go around kind of things. But once when you live it, you go through something like that. I'm sure he's going to have some comments about it. Um, probably <laughs> not very fun to be going, uh, uh, flying through the air. And you like, like they said, that is the most quiet time once when your car goes lifts off the ground. And then it's just uh, unpredictable what's going to happen afterwards. That's the scary part of it. Yeah, your car gets quiet and you know you're in for a ride. Um, so that ended stage one. Matt Benedetto is the winner of stage one. Then Blaney, Elliott, Hamlin, Byron, Busher, Bowman, McDowell, Harvick, and Christopher Bell. Uh, Kurt Busch had an oil line loose and the caution comes out because there was oil on the track. Uh, they ended up fixing it, but I think he went six laps down. Uh, just before that, Suarez and Chastain were going to go a lap down and try to block the leaders. That ended up screwing up Ryan Priest, who was leading, and lost the lead to that. Um, Kyle Busch got a run, and the Benedetto goes to block. That was almost big. They both went onto the apron, and both saved it and were okay. That was amazing. 
<laughs> yes, it was amazing. And uh, sometimes you look for a place to wreck and you can't figure out where to do it. So you just keep on going. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, the caution also came out on the last lap of stage two. Denny was weaving back and forth. Eventually, Truex was to the outside. They wrecked Byron, Bowman, Elliott, get a piece of that. Surprised the grass didn't destroy them because all three of those cars went through the grass. Although you really didn't see those three up front uh, after that either. So maybe it did more damage than it appeared to. Uh, Bubba Wallace won his first stage ever. So that was cool. Uh, Keselowski, McDowell, Kyle Busch, Priest, Blaney, Busher, Stenhouse, Bell, and Harrison Burton, who made his first career Cup Series start inside the top 10. Yeah, that 96 car. Yep, for sure. So, um, yeah, good run by him uh, to get a 10th place there at, at that stage. Absolutely. Uh, Truex had a right rear go down, uh, wasn't able to or chose not to go down pit lane, depending on where it went down. That was with four to go. We're going to have overtime. Matt Benedetto was your leader. Unfortunately, when it goes back to racing, Matt Benedetto chose the wrong lane after he took the white flag. And Brad Keselowski took advantage of that and goes on to win an exciting finish. It was Keselowski, Byron, McDowell, Harvick to Benedetto, Kaz Grala, how about that name inside the top 10, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Blaney, and Cole Custer, your top 10 of the race. Hey, when you're Matty D, what are you going to do, man? I mean, you're, you're driving in the mirror, you know, and it looked like the outside. He looked like he did the right thing. And uh, he tried to catch that outside uh, – you know, momentum there, but all of a sudden, by the time you turn around, Brad was right there and bang, you know, there was no going back down to the inside. And, um, yeah, he's going to kick himself in the butt all week about what happened there. And I seen some things that some, um, videos and, uh, from, from what he had to say and everything like that, but dang it, he's going to get his victories. I mean, he's, uh, he's definitely there. Um, just, just needs a little extra luck or maybe a horseshoe or something. <laughs> Yeah, so close again for him. Um, man, he I agree. He's going to get a win here soon. But the thing I worry about saying that is his contract and all that because it was a one-year deal. Austin Sindrick comes into that ride next year. What's his future going to look like? That's the only thing that worries me. Well, yeah, he's going to have to have some sponsorship to follow through with and everything. So we'll uh, we'll see the the. Silly season will be starting up here eh, a little after Memorial Day. We'll start hearing some some rumors flying around about next year already. It seems like it comes earlier every year. But uh, he definitely is a good racer. He just, just needs some good luck, man. Wow, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way of putting it, I believe. Uh, well, we got Kansas coming up uh, this next weekend. Um Let's talk about our, our picks for that. We got the truck series and the cup series. I'll go first with the, the truck series as normal. Uh, I will take John Hunter Nemechek. Yeah, I'll take Matt Crafton. He, uh, he runs good at Kansas. We'll, uh, we'll throw the 88 out there. Yeah, and Matt Crafton actually won at Kansas last year, so good pick by you. And then uh, for the cup race, who do you have? Hey, I think Denny Hamlin, who's been dominating all these races, is finally going to follow through and he's going to get a victory there at Kansas. I do as well. I have Denny Hamlin as well. Uh, right now, to recap our picks here, after the last three weeks that we just recapped, we're still tied. We have 15 correct uh, picks each. Uh, not necessarily correct is probably the wrong word. We have uh, 15 wins over each other. Um, 
So this week, one of us will take a one-point lead. All right. Still a long way to go out there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun uh, doing this deal with you. And, hey, I want that Winchester ticket, man. Yeah, yeah, we're fighting over that, aren't we? We will, definitely. That it, Hey, that comes with beer, too. That's right. Yep. That's yep. right. <laughs> well, as previously mentioned, we have Ryan Farrell joining us to talk a little bit about Dale Sr., since Dale would be uh, turning 70 on April 29th here. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us here. I know you're a big Dale Sr. fan as well. Yeah, I, uh, that was kind of... In a sea of Matt Kenseth fans, I was always an Earnhardt fan. Um, actually, back well before Matt Kenseth was in NASCAR. But, uh, yeah, I started watching back in, like, 94, I would say, is what I kind of remember the most uh, as far as clear memories as a kid. And so I was an Earnhardt fan from then up until, well, really 2001. So uh, I know we hit it off uh, at that last time we, we did an interview with the Chase Motorsports preview at uh, – we got to talking about some, some funny memories and, and rivalries. And uh, it was nice you guys asked to have me on uh, to comment about this. So, Absolutely. Well, what are what are some of the uh, fondest moments that you have of Dale? Well, I, I the one that's easy for me, I, my first NASCAR race was the 98 Daytona 500. I, uh, we watched it. I mean, I didn't miss a race like 94, 95, 96. I mean, every race was on and – I was like a dork recording races back then, but I wasn't the only one. So if somebody's laughing at me, man, I think I was more than norm. And, uh, you record them because there wasn't NASCAR today or NASCAR RPM tonight was the only way you got any kind of info. And that was like a half hour show and that's it. Now you got the internet, you can see highlights. It just wasn't like that. So you're just starving for more. But, uh, so we didn't really go to races cause that was like, that was like a high dollar thing for my family. Like, Oh God, yeah, we'll never do that. And then, uh, my uncle actually had a friend that was able to get tickets and invited me down and I flew down there in fourth grade and lo and behold, he wins a race. And Oh my gosh, it was just a, like grown men crying, hats flying. Like it was like war is over, man. <laughs> it was awesome. But, uh, it, it was just, yeah, I don't know. I'll never, I'll never forget that, that whole week leading up to it, just the, the flight down ahead and then getting to go down there and seeing the one twenty fives and the, the whole speed weeks experience. And, just like most kids want to go to Disneyland and that was, that was like 10 times better than that for me. So, so that's always been, that's number one on my list. I'd have to say. Well, you don't have to really feel like a dork too bad there, buddy. I've got a box. I've got a big box of uh, VCR tapes and I got every race tape from 1983 to probably about 1991. So for about nine years, I have VCR tapes that are around here. That's when the racing was really good when Dale was back in the day. So, so, oh, so you man. don't you don't have to feel like a dork there, buddy. I've been doing it before you were. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. People laugh now, but man, it was just it was just must see TV back then, and and even before when I started watching. I mean, you guys were the same way. Um, it's funny talking about the '90s now, like. You know, not calling you old there, Mark, but uh, <laughs> a lot of guys would talk about the old days of the 80s and, oh, yeah, Kale Yarborough's heyday and when Walter burst on the scene. And, and now I sound like that guy talking about Gordon or Earnhardt or Mark Barton. And kids now are like, yeah, I never saw these guys racing. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't even – what happened? Where'd the time go, you know? So. 
Well, Mark, uh, I wanted to ask you this because you were not an Earnhardt fan. You liked Elliot, so actually you disliked Dale. Um, tell us about your dislike for him and, um, you know, what do you miss Dale? Because it's almost like you almost need someone to dislike too to kind of keep your fandom going. Yeah, well, you know, I was I was always a Ford fan, you know, way back when, when, you know, even I, I like David Pearson, you know, when he was running the Mercury's back there when he was <clears throat> taking on Kyle, you know, not Kyle, but Richard Petty. And, uh, you know, came through the ranks. Dale, Dale earned everything that he that he did, though. You know, he came up through the ranks, but he had that, that I guess you'd call it like a Southern style where he's going to use the chrome horn, the bumper, you know. And uh, I don't know, that, that wasn't my kind of style of racing. Um you know, but once when he passed away, there was there was a, a a hole that was there that could not be filled, and uh, yeah, then then it was then he was missed. Um, but at the time of his racing, if anybody could beat him, um, I was all for it. Uh, when, I, when I was at when I was at Daytona, and I got after a fan that was crying when he lost the nineteen ninety one there when he had the flat on the last lap and some lady was in front of me and I, I, I ridiculed her really bad <laughs> back in the day, you know, kind of maybe I'd look back at that, be a little ashamed of that now, but um, I just said to the lady, anybody but Earnhardt, uh, I had a good friend that was down in Milwaukee that was just a diehard Earnhardt fan. So he, we would bet back and forth just like uh, pretty much like what Lauren and I do weekly uh, if Elliot and Earnhardt and uh, more, more times than not, I always lost because Earnhardt was always uh, having good results. <laughs> I'm going to jump in on that. You, you talked about those bets. So like that's something I miss. And, and I hope maybe, you know, we were talking earlier about the, the crowds coming back to short track racing. And man, I, I would encourage anybody. It's okay to cheer against people. If, if there's somebody you don't like this, as long as you're making noise and having fun, that's what I miss about the, the racing is, you know, people would call you, you know, my grandpa would call me for an update on a Sunday morning. And then, then my cousins would show up with their Jeff Gordon shirt just to piss me off, you know? And it's like, it was a thing. It was like a, almost like a Packer game sort of getting into that ballpark of excitement and, and uh, rivalry and, and smack talking with your friends. And I mean, cars everywhere had racing stickers on them. It was almost as common as Packer stickers. You'd see a three or a 24 or an 88, the, the Ford guys, I was like, there was such a Ford following that was, that was as fun as even the Gordon Earnhardt rivalry was. And um, that's, I think that's really what, what you miss the most about that day or those days is, is just how people got into it. And, and I hope, you know, maybe we're starting to see some of that come back a little bit was with the local racing. So. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, being up top, I get to see people's reactions and even being in the crowd as a fan, I completely agree with it. There's uh there's some good rivalries out there, some good fandom. You know, getting back to Dale specifically here, um, my earliest memory, the first race I ever remember watching, and probably because it was a little traumatic um, with a fan getting hurt and all that, is the 1997 Daytona 500. I would have been six and a half. And, uh, man, I just remember I he was going to do it that day, and then – he got tight out of turn two and Gordon kind of pushed him up there slightly. Um, and then of course, then the uh, hood comes off and goes into the crowd. That's the very first race I remember. And what a heartbreaking moment. That was, yeah, I remember watching that one. Uh, 
just just mad at Jeff Gordon. You know, like like the whole Earnhardt fan base just wanted to murder Jeff Gordon that day. And then you hear the stories in the background, and apparently he pulled up in front of Gordon's pit, gave Ray Evernham the finger, smiled, and drove into his pits because he knew it wasn't Gordon's fault. It was just racing, and then just I don't know. I had a good and went back out on the track, I guess, but. uh I don't know. That just seemed like that's why he had so much respect is guys would sometimes get him. You know, he was always known as a dirty driver, but he could seem like he could take it pretty well, whether it was Jeremy Mayfield or Gordon there. And, uh, but man, did the fans take it hard. <laughs> and that is just imagine caring that much about NASCAR today. My God, my whole, my whole day, week, month was ruined from that. You, you build up the speed weeks. You can't wait, can't wait. And then, you think Earnhardt's going to win it finally? Just got to get by Elliott, and oh, never mind. There he's flipping on a backstretch. So, <laughs> yeah, I I remember being so devastated of it, but you know, it, it worked out. the The next year, nineteen ninety eight Daytona five hundred. You just talked about that, so redemption. And looking back, you're you're probably like, well, I'm kind of glad that happened because then I could be there to watch that whole scene go down and every yeah. man on every crew down there. Uh, just incredible. Something that. Uh, I don't think we would ever see today. I mean, you never say never. I, certainly not right now. There's just not. There's just not enough passion or personality in the sport right now. And I think deep down they know it too. And it really, and I'm a. It's not just Earnhardt. I mean, there were so many good stories of people back in the day, and he kind of was just the top of the list of guys that found a way to make it and and brought a good story with them and something that you could you know, hit your fan trailer too and, and ride along and, and that's what they're missing. And, uh, I don't know, that's to get that kind of respect from your peers. You, you only get that the hard way. You can't buy that. You can't, uh, you can't cry and whine your way to that. That's, that's only earned and, and you just don't see it that often, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He, he earned every bit of that of every crew that came out there for 20 years of trying, you know, and he finally, finally pulled it off and kudos, you know, that was, it was good. That was, he, he definitely earned that. And, and the respect that he had from that was shown on that day. Yeah. I, uh, I actually have a story I'll share. Um, my mom actually got to meet him and it was kind of an illegal meeting because <laughs> she jumped the fence at the pits that they told her to get there <laughs> and basically snuck through security real quick. And, and instead of signing, you know, just the typical mob that, that, really all the drivers had back then, but especially him, it was just like a rock scene. And uh, so everybody's jabbing him for autographs and that, and she just said, oh, I just want to say thanks, and and it's so fun to watch, and, and that's all. And then she was trying to leave and get back on her side of the fence, and, and he actually grabbed her and said, hey, thank you very much. People people always want something, and, and they're always looking for something from me, and it's just nice to hear that, that you care that much and you enjoy it, and thank you. So that was like he stopped his security guards and everything just to say that. And that, like that sort of relatability, man, that is just, that's what sells tickets and gets people to care right there. That sells t shirts, that sells TV packages, everything. So, and you can't fake it. I always think about the moments that I didn't either I didn't get to witness or didn't get to or, or don't remember one, one or the other because his heyday was before I could remember really I was born in 90 so his you know he won championships before that and a few years after that but one that grinds my gears too is Jeff Gordon winning that Brickyard 400 that first year in 94 uh and I I obviously I don't remember because I would have been three or four on that day because I was born in August but uh 
I just watch watch the highlights of it or watch these documentaries coming out and all that. And that one just for some reason that one grinds my gears maybe even more than the ninety seven Daytona five hundred. <laughs> yeah, I remember Earnhardt hit the wall on that one on the first lap, and uh, yeah, it's, that was a big deal that race. I, I mean, that was just I remember it was on ABC and and just all the fanfare, and I don't, they said there was like almost I think there was over a quarter million people there that day. I mean, just insane the the amount of fans, and and then Gordon stole it. You know, it was like oh, that should have been Earnhardt, but that's just the fan in me. But Gordon, I mean, I'd give anything to go back and see that race play out again. You know, just to be there in person or whatever to watch. And I think back on, I mean, nobody knew who Gordon. Gordon had won a couple races at that point, but that was just such a huge thing and and set up the sport for really that rivalry that ended up being such such a big part of the the growth. And yeah, people use that like it was it was fun, man. People would use that race or or Gordon in general as a way to just get under your skin. And man, it was fun looking back on it. So, but yeah, I know what you mean. That one stung. As Earnhardt fan, you're like, oh yeah, he's got to win this inaugural race here. And then here comes this kid. So. Of course, he did win it the, the second year there. And I think there was a joke he was always saying. He would still say that he was the inaugural winner or something. Related. Oh, he's the first man. Yeah, first man to win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so young. Yeah. What what are some of your other fondest memories of Dale Ryan? And then also some of the heartbreaking moments. I just shared the 94 and 97, uh, 97, 594 Brickyard. What are some of your other favorite moments and then some heartbreaking moments as well? Um, I really enjoyed the, the last full year he ran. And, and this was getting, I was getting a little older, so I remember it better. Um, I was already in middle school and, and uh, at that point. But 2000 was fun because I mean, a lot of Earnhardt fans will tell you now, but 97 through 90, middle of 99 was not ideal. I think he won one race in that whole stretch, and it was just Gordon was just racking up wins, and, and Mark Martin was racking up wins, and Dale Jarrett, and Earnhardt was just struggling to, to run fifth. I mean, and even that was a good day. And Childers just seemed like they had gotten behind, but 2000, they kind of turned it around, and a lot of people forget that he finished second in points to Bobby Labonte that year. Mm-hmm. And... I think we all really missed out on 2001 because Gordon won the championship the year Earnhardt died, but Harvick ran really well. And I think Richard Childers racing was, that was going to be a showdown with Earnhardt and Gordon for an actual championship. And they had had some races, but there hadn't been that one-on-one for the whole, the whole shebang, if you will. And I think we missed out on it in 01. I think that's what was going to play out. But uh, 2000, when he won Atlanta over Bobby the Body, that was that's kind of an underrated one for me. That was big, and people always talk about Talladega, and that was cool too. But uh, another one that stands out, <laughs> I, I was a little embarrassed when he dumped Terry the Body on the last lap at Bristol, the second time and won. That one, I we had our voicemail lit up, like people were calling our house, our entire family, friends, you know, everybody watched Bristol. It was just such a big deal, and I mean, I. A friend of ours just called, and that that Dale Earnhardt is the dirtiest SOB I've ever seen. And this is I'm listening to this, you know, live as they're recording the voicemail back in the day. Kids don't know what the hell we're talking about right now, <laughs> but you can actually hear the voicemail getting recorded. And, and it was like three in a row. Just the phone is lighting up, and, and Earnhardt's like, "Well, I meant to rattle his cage," and he's like, "He didn't mean to rattle nothing. He's a dirty driving son of a blah blah blah." And, oh my god! So yeah, those all stand out for sure. Mark, how about? Uh... 
how about you not being an Earnhardt fan? Uh, I want to pull you back into this too. What were some of your maybe favorite moments of him and maybe some ones where uh, he got burned too and you enjoyed it? You know, when he mentions that when he rattled his cage, uh, I, I worked uh, afternoons and I recorded that and it was about like 1230 at night. And I woke up the whole family. I come off the couch and I was just absolutely hot and I was screaming at the TV and I woke up the whole house and <laughs> I remember that. You know, here's something that, you know, back in the day that I did not like. And that was one, if you won the championship in NASCAR the following year, you were guaranteed the number one pit stall. Oh, and he yeah. would, and he would win that championship, and he would always get that pit stall. And I thought that was such an advantage, and I wanted that rule to go away just so bad. Um, Earnhardt dominated through the days until they changed to the radial tire. I believe that was in 89, and that changed that changed a lot of, of the racing that was out there. Um, Dale struggled with that quite a bit when that new radial tire came out. But um, all in all, um, Dale was not afraid to uh, use the chrome horn. That was his style. Um, like he said, sometimes it worked, sometimes he didn't. I remember when he put Daryl Waltrip into the guardrail at Richmond. And that was another one where I'm not going to let you win and you're not going to let me win. And, it's, you know, that was that – was Back in the day, that was just as big as Gordon and the rivalry that was going on back then. Oh, yeah. I missed out on that, man. That's that's kind of like I was saying earlier. Everybody has that generation that they grew up with, and that was before me. But, man, I bet that was some some heated exchanges back then, too. Yeah. Um, I, I Obviously, I've seen the highlights and watched that race back in – yikes uh, you know sometimes i wonder if i would have liked them back in the 80s because i don't really like that style racing around here but uh somehow i became a fan of them and have loved them ever since uh mark i'm surprised you didn't mention that all-star race with the battle with bill elliott the, yeah they call it the pass in the grass but there was no pass there and uh you never really seen bill ever retaliate but after that race he gave him a door donut you know um that was yeah that was a, a tough fought all-star race and how dale ever saved that car going through the grass um yeah he earned that one um the other one was when you see him jump up on the on the door and he's wiping it out of the windshield while he's going down the track at richmond i mean <laughs> who does that that's crazy too so yeah there's lots of memories and highlights of dale earnhardt um yeah he is missed yeah, there's a lot there, man. You mentioned that pit stall thing, that number one pit stall. That's, I mean, it's amazing that anybody ever beat him with that. I mean, that was like four spots every restart if he had a decent pit stop. So the guys that did beat him through those years, I think, uh, well, Alan Kowicki won the one championship when he had it, and then Jeff Gordon in 95. I mean, that's that was a hard way to win, to beat a guy like that with that advantage. Yeah, it sure was. You know, Ryan, uh, we'll let you go here in a second. Thank you so much for your for your time. Um, one thing I want to mention that that you touched on was 2001, and uh, uh, you hear Richard Childress say this as well. Same thing that you did that they were set up maybe uh, the best they ever had been to that point, and he was running well in the 500, led a bunch of laps, uh, was running third when the unfortunate incident happened, which. Um, 
you know, the one thing I think about that too, looking back is there was a couple of times throughout that race that he almost wrecked before that. And there are many days where I'm like, man, I kind of just wish either he spun off of Marlins front bumper there going down the front stretch, or he barely made it through that Tony Stewart incident. Yeah. Um, I just there was think, a lot of saves in that race for sure. I mean, you really got to see the car control. I mean, and aggressiveness in that race. Yeah, and there's there's two other ones I think, you know, Kurt Busch got into him which he, uh Dale may or may not have flipped Kurt off there. Um and then Ron Hornaday also. So there was a lot of things that Dale was dealing with that day and then the unfortunate accident on the on the last lap there and you're right, we never got to see that battle in 2001 and I think it would have been a hell of a hell of a show between him and him and Gordon. And and the other thing I I think about here in closing too is um Richard made a comment recently that he almost ta- he almost had to talk Dale into racing that year to begin with. So you knew Dale was near the end there and man, I just yeah. wish he wish he was here today and I wonder how today was different without him to me other than my uncle and my cousin. He's my biggest racing idol and I just think about him a lot and get emotional about it and Yeah, a lot of people still do. That's what's kind of crazy about it that you know people cared that much just uh i don't know i mean like around here the only comparison was like the packers and you know how people get about that but you know you think about like how the world has changed since then well i guess you could look at it two ways obviously everybody knows about the safety stuff that got better because of it because it was just such a shock that all of a sudden everybody was vulnerable and that's that's a good story too i guess but I mean, I, it's not really what I associate with him. Um, the thing I always took was that just like you can't make excuses in life. I mean, I, whether you talk about racing or, or whatever, we, you just live in a world now where it just seems like everybody has an excuse for why their life isn't great. And, and sometimes it's fair and sometimes I just feel like, man, nobody owes you anything. And and that just felt like he personified that where, hey, sometimes you get beat, deal with it. And do what you can to win next time and don't cry. And I don't know. I just don't see that as often as I'd like anymore. And, and I think people appreciated that about him more than anything is just like against all odds. And you don't have the most money. You don't have the most help. You don't have the most whatever, but you keep chipping away at it and, and find a way and be ready for when it is your time to, uh, to make that statement move or win or whatever. And, and, and be real too. Don't, <laughs> Just be yourself, and people people should like you for that enough. So, I uh, I also think too. In retrospect, I, I just in the world we live in now, it's gotten so PC, it's gotten so um, so controlled, and I just I don't know how that personality. They wouldn't even let a guy like that drive anymore. And maybe there maybe there are guys out there we could get into like that now, but everybody's so afraid to say anything or do anything because of sponsor dollars that I don't know. I mean, maybe it. Maybe maybe just that image we're left with him, uh, darn near winning the 500 and Michael Waltrip and and having a competitive career all the way through, and maybe that was just the best way to go. I guess I don't know, but uh, yeah, it sure was fun. That's all I could. That's all I. That's how I'll end my part of the discussion. It sure was fun. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And um, you know, Michael Waltrip's documentary, Blink of an Eye, incredible thing. If you haven't seen it. Uh, definitely go out and see it for all the fans listening here. Um, but it's emotional. It, it's it's emotional, but uh, incredible. And, you know, Michael at the end of it says, the way I like to think about it is he was at peace. And actually, Dale 
had made comments the years before that saying, if I go in a race car, I'm happy. So that's, I think, you know, we all get emotional about it and all that stuff. But if you think about it in a positive light and he, and he himself has said it. um, And and Michael said, the way I like to think about it is there you guys go. This is my final act. And uh, maybe that's true. You never know. But uh, that's after hearing Michael say that I thought a lot more about it. And that's, and then listening to Dale's quotes throughout the years, I think uh, I think he was happy when he went, and that's that's how I'll I'll uh, remember it. Sure do miss him, yeah. though, man. I think yeah. he knew he couldn't have much more for life. I mean, that's that's a heck of a story, and and a heck of a almost fifty years. So, yeah, that Michael Waltrip, even I got emotional. So that's how good it is. So you know, brought back a lot of memories, man. So any fan out there that hasn't seen that, you've got to go and you got to check that out. Yep. Yeah, I finally saw it uh, here a few weeks ago. I was actually out in the shop uh, finishing my car, and it came on. I think after a rain delayed race, I caught it. And, uh, yeah, no, it was yeah, a heck of a, I don't know, just a, a wild, crazy, strange story. <laughs> yeah. And glad we all got to be a part of it a little bit. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ryan. We'll let you go here. Thanks for your time as always. And we'll see you down in Madison on May 2nd. Yeah, no, sounds good. Can't wait. Uh, man, pack the stands. Get out there. Have fun. Bring everybody you know with you. Drink beer. If I do something you don't like, cuss me out from the grandstands. I'll let you know about it afterward. And if you got a good Earnhardt story, come tell me that too. So look forward to yeah. seeing everybody. So good luck, Ryan, man. We'll see you Sunday, man. Good luck to you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good luck, buddy. See ya. Well, Mark, uh, it was great to hear from Ryan Farrell, all his memories of Dale Earnhardt. And uh, it was just fun talking there. Man, we could have went for hours on that, and we only did about 15, 20 minutes. I'm telling you what, I had, I wanted to talk so much more about stuff. But, uh, man, it's so great hearing those memories, and, and especially pulling in someone like you uh, who did not like him. I would like to hear more and more about that. Of course you and I have talked off air a lot about it, but uh, man, it's just good stuff talking about old, old, uh, old school racing. Well, that was, that was the best racing back in the day, dude. And, uh, and I even have an extra VCR t- uh, player here. I've actually got two in the house that actually work. And if you ever want to see some old racing, I'll let you borrow a tape or two and, and you can enjoy some of that good racing before you were born. I've got uh, I've got a lot of goodies uh, over here, man. <laughs> I know a lot of them have made their way on YouTube as well. That's a great way to watch them. I'm not sure if that's legal or not, but they're on there. Um, and I have gone back and watched a few of them. But uh, holy moly, there are so memory so many memories about Dale, and uh, definitely a day to think about him. And man, he would be seventy. And it's weird to think about. He's been gone for 20 years. Um, man, how, how would today be different? I know I mentioned that in the interview with Ryan. and But, uh, man, what a, what a sad day that was, but so many good memories. Do you know, he, he had a way of influencing uh, how they set rules up and stuff like that. And I'm sure if Dale was around, there would be no such thing as a lucky dog because Dale always believed – that you got what you earned. There was nothing that was handed to you. And I think he would have been the number one person that would have tried to stop the lucky dog. If you're a lap down, you have to earn it. Nothing gets handed to you. 
I am absolutely positively sure that Dio absolutely felt that way. Maybe. I, I tend to think that sometimes when you remove yourself from it, even though DEI would probably still be around, I think sometimes your mindset changes. And you know what? He was also a forward thinker about look at all the business stuff that he did and all the um, like action cars and all that stuff. Such a forward thinker on business side that maybe he would come around and think as far as business and fans, it would be a good idea. So I'm not so positive on it. You, you may be right there. Um, but I think he had some things in the back of his head that people would be surprised by and maybe he would come around on. Um, yeah, just a, as far as far as a just a good business guy as well. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, look at how the sales went. You know, and his wife worked with that. But you know, Jeff Gordon kind of got along with that too. You know, and that's what created the rivalry. And man, the money was flowing back in the day, and that's what built that rivalry back in the day. You know, um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see which way DEI and all of that would have went. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, unbelievable. But, uh, you know, DEI lasted for a little while after that. Unfortunately, it, uh, ended up becoming part of, uh, Chip Ganassi racing now, I guess it would be, but, uh, yeah, you wonder, you wonder how, how it would be different. Yeah. You'd wonder if there'd be four teams <laughs> like Hendrick has got, and they'd be battling it out right now. You don't know. It's just, just we can always guess about that, that, that it didn't come true, but, but, uh, yeah, back in the day, that, that was what it was all about. So um, we can only kind of guess what the future was going to be. But, you know, it, uh, it was his time. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have any control over that. So that's why we got to enjoy everything that we have and who we have and all that. So that's, uh, that's my motto, and that's the way I live my life. Yep, absolutely. Uh, every day is a gift, you know. Every every second that you're here is not guaranteed, so you got to uh, enjoy it to the fullest. Uh, sometimes that's hard to do, but um, try to at least. You know, the other thing I think about, and, and Ryan mentioned in the interview, there's a lot of the safety aspects came from his death that fast-track things. Still a lot of things would be in place today, I believe, but it definitely fast-track things. The one thing about that E60 that came out um, – when the Daytona 500 uh, that Sunday, ESPN ran that E60. The one thing that always caught my attention is Dale Earnhardt was really for soft walls. Um, not the Hans device because it was uncomfortable, but the uh, the soft walls, which obviously play a big role today. Absolutely. But, yeah, it fast-tracked uh, um, safety. And I think a lot of corporations around the country uh, followed NASCAR you know, they were proactive on all of that stuff. And uh, they're still working on it today, I'm sure, with uh, this Joey Logano incident. They're going to look at it. They're going to study it. Um, the best in the world is they're looking at it. And, and they'll make improvements all the time, you know. So um, safety keeps marching on. Yep. Yep, absolutely. That's first and foremost. So you got to be proactive about it, not reactive. Uh, we've learned that from the past. So, uh, they do a good job with it. Look how far it's come. Unbelievable. And, um, man, Thursday we'll think about uh, Dale Earnhardt turning 70 and um, all of that good stuff. But uh, you know what? Thanks to Derek for joining us once again, uh, Ryan Farrell, 
And, uh, and of course, you, Mark, will see you, Ryan Farrell, and others next Sunday, May 2nd, at Madison International Speedway for the Joe Shearer Classic. Uh, it'll be great to get back down to Madison after they had to take a year off pretty much with the COVID deal, unfortunately. So it'll be great to support the McCarns family and, and see a bunch of friends down there. Yep, that's what it's all about, man. That's the next one on the list. Heading to Madison, man, for the 200. We're going to have a good time down there, man. And I can't Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, make sure you watch our uh, Facebook page. We're going to post uh, pre-race and post-race interviews uh, from the big local races going on. Uh, we may take a hiatus again. Uh, from the NASCAR podcast to do some of that to space some of it out. We got a few interviews with some local people coming up as well. So make sure you go to Facebook, Twitter as well. Uh, most of our fans are on Facebook and also you'll see the main content on Facebook. Uh, that is Double L Sports Network, LL Sports Network. Uh, make sure you follow us on there. Mark, thank you to you again for, for joining me for this episode here and we'll uh, see you next Sunday. All right, man. Yep. Thanks a lot, man. You too. And I'll see you in Madison on Sunday. See ya. See ya. This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it. And thank you for listening.